Today I'm speaking about the mystery of suffering. Paul's mission in life started as a religious mission for the Jewish religion and ended up becoming a spiritual mission for the whole of humanity. As Saul, the Jewish Pharisee, his mission was one of persecuting Christians wherever he could find them. We see the record of the transformation of the religious mission of Saul into the spiritual mission of Paul in the book of Acts. It's the account of him going to Damascus one day to get Christians and to haul them back to Jerusalem for imprisonment and punishment and death. When he gets struck down by a blinding flash of light out of the sky. I'm reading from Acts chapter 9, verse 4, we pick up the story. When Saul fell to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Persecuting means to cause suffering and even death. Astonished and shaken up by what had happened to him, Paul said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, get up and go into the city and I'll tell you what you have to do. The men who had been travelling with him stood by speechless because they heard a voice but didn't see anyone. Saul then picked himself up off the ground and when he opened his eyes, he found he couldn't see a thing. So his companions had to lead him by the hand into Damascus. He stayed blind for three days and neither ate nor drank anything the whole time. The Lord then spoke to a man called Ananias in a vision and said, Ananias? Ananias said, yes, I'm here, Lord. The Lord said, get up and go to Straight Street to the house of Judas and ask for a man called Saul, whom you will find praying. Saul has seen you in a vision, coming in to lay hands on him so that he might get his sight back again. Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard about this man from many people and how much evil and destruction he has brought upon the Christians in Jerusalem. And he's obtained authority here in Damascus from the chief priests to imprison anyone who calls upon your name. The Lord answered him, So do now what I've told you, because he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the nations and before kings and the children of Israel. I want to show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias did as he was told and went into the house and laid hands upon Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your journey here, has sent me to you for you to receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Straight away, it was as though scales fell from his eyes and he could see. He stood up and became baptised. Jesus had just asked Paul, as we read, why are you 
persecuting me? Why are you causing me suffering? Saul didn't realise it at the time, but Jesus was telling him that by his persecuting the Christians and causing them such suffering, he was actually causing Jesus to feel the same suffering that they were going through. Whatever feelings of sadness or grief that they went through, he did too. And whatever feelings of joy and peace and love and compassion that Jesus felt, they could touch those feelings too, deep within their hearts, spirit to spirit. Saul didn't know yet or understand this profound and beautiful mystery. So Paul's first question to Jesus was, Who are you, Lord? He then asked Jesus, What do you want me to do? We read that Paul was given an interesting job description by Ananias, suffering. He was told, Tell Paul what things he must suffer for my name's sake. He was also told to bear the name of Jesus before nations and kings and the children of Israel for their transformation. For the rest of his life, Paul would live a journey of the unfolding revelation of who this man was, who as God felt the deep inner sufferings of all those who called him by his name. This was to become the purpose and reason for living for Paul, that he might know him, this man Jesus, and to know that this man had suffered for him and that this man knew him as he truly was in his deepest feelings. Paul would come to know that this was to become a two-way thing, this fellowship of one another's sufferings and feelings, both sad and glad, that this bond of loving friendship would grow and last forever, that this was the reason for creation and ongoing existence of all of humanity from and for all time. Paul accepted this invitation of a life of shared suffering. Paul shares in his epistles the many things he suffered outwardly in his body, in his ministry to the nations, to kings and to Israel. And at a deeper level, he shares the things he suffered inwardly. He tells us that he was afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In each of these sufferings, the affliction, the perplexity and the persecution, he states that he was able to transcend each of these things. He was perplexed, but not in despair, etc. How was this? It was because he had a friend with him, the man, Jesus Christ, who shared every feeling of vulnerability with him and gave him not only comfort and solidarity, but who because of their shared life of the Holy Spirit within, Paul received divine strength. This was the way Paul came to have his question answered of, Who are you, Lord? And this understanding of who are you, Lord, gives every one of us 
the answers to all the questions that can be asked. The first question that God asked anyone in the Bible was, Where are you, Adam? Right at the beginning. This was because Adam and Eve had listened to the serpent by disobeying God's commandment about eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they went their own way into darkness and independence. And they felt shame and guilt and separation from God. They were told by darkness, don't trust God to deal out what's good for you. Instead, work out what you want for yourselves that is good for you. More power and freedom and independence and fame and glory all by yourselves because you really don't need God anymore. God pursued them into their dark hiding from him and from themselves and said, Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? Where are my friends that used to want to walk with me every day? God is still looking for that friendship. God knows where to find us now. He finds us in the spirit-to-spirit, heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind, will-with-will friendship with Jesus. You see, they ate from the wrong tree. They had sinned. Missed the mark. That's what sin is. The word in the Greek language is hamartia, a word taken from archery. The bow and arrow, missing the mark or hitting the mark. Humanity at that time missed the mark then and still does. Missing the mark was walking away from a trusting and loving friendship with God. The Bible is clear that we all would have done the same thing. But one day, the right tree would be offered to us freely, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the wrong tree to eat from. But the right tree is Jesus, the tree of life. Then we would be able to hit the mark. And that's not just the recovering of the walking in the garden like Adam and Eve. It goes beyond that. It's being one with God in Christ in a perfect friendship. That is the mark, the target, the goal. It always was and it always will be. When we miss that mark, we bring upon ourselves all of the unnecessary hurt and pain and suffering in this world of ours. Through Jesus, that tree of life, there would come a new covenant of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Covenant is the terms of agreement of how we will relate together with a binding promise. The new covenant shows us how we can come to know God and have that loving, trusting friendship with him forever. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, and verse 10, it begins to describe this covenant. And it says, For this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. Now, what does that mean? This is the heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind, will-with-will, understanding 
of the core inner values for loving relationships between us and God and us and one another. They're contained in the commandments, now written on our hearts, like not stealing from one another or cheating, lying, violence, anger, unfaithfulness and coveting, and etc. These things no longer separate us from God, but through the Holy Spirit, because they're written in our hearts, are transformed into virtues as we trustingly share with him our failures and weaknesses in these areas and know that we have forgiveness and mercy. The commandment says don't steal. In the transformational work by the Spirit of God as we confess this kind of attitude or sin, a taker becomes a giver and unfaithful becomes faithful. That's having the law written in our hearts. The terms of the covenant go on to say, and this is most important, they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For, or because, I will be merciful towards their unrighteousness, that is, their human failings, and I will remember their sins no more. God clears the way, gets rid of the obstacles so that he can have the friendship back. And all of the blessings of the new covenant come when we aim in the right direction for the right target of that oneness with him, with God, and hit the mark. So the covenant tells us how we can aim in this right direction and hit the mark between us and God. But now there is how we can hit the mark and find this oneness of touching one another's lives between each other as his people. And when Paul wrote to his favourite church, the Philippians, he addressed them as my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, who shared in my needs and my distress above all other churches. That's in Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 and through to 14. Paul's feeling of love and compassion for these people who were dear to him are on display here. And so is his open-hearted vulnerability as he acknowledges their compassion for him in his distress and his needs. So this is where we're bringing the terms of the new covenant between us and God now into our relationships between us and one another. This is where lives can touch one another, even from a distance. Paul goes on to share with them, this same heart for togetherness in his quest for knowing Christ and sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings. In Philippians 3, verse 10, Paul says to the Philippians, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That word sufferings there comes from the word pathos or feelings the deepest feelings and passions of the human heart. Paul says that I might know him 
power of his resurrection and the fellowship. In other words, the partnership, the sharing, the communion of these deep feelings in the human heart. goes on to say that I can become like him, that I might become like him in the form and pattern of his death and dying, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So there we have Paul opening his heart up to those people and telling them of his pursuit of this partnership with God in those sufferings, those deepest feelings and passions of the human heart, and to become like him, a transformational work, because this is the same pattern of Jesus' life and his death and his dying, and that's what they share. That's what we share. And when Paul said that I might know him and the fellowship of his suffering, he's not just stoically accepting or looking for suffering. He understands that he is touching the feelings and emotions of Jesus as both God and as a human being. And that is how he got to know God. Paul continually experienced the Holy Spirit working deeply with his spirit in this mutual understanding or compassion The word compassion simply means common passions, compassion or shared feelings and sufferings. And just like Paul, we get to realise that God is deeply compassionate and profoundly tender and infinitely patient and that he waits for us to bring our feelings to him and to share them with him and to realise that he's felt them himself and understands them. And in the meantime, he never stops unfolding to us who he is. We can then find grace to understand more clearly the sufferings of others. To bring the compassion and comfort that brings healing to our souls. That kind of healing grace and love puts God on display in the sharing of our lives together. When Paul saw that this bond of loving friendship would grow and last forever and that this was the reason for the creation of and the ongoing existence of all of humanity from before all time and for all time, he determined to make this his goal in life. As Paul hit the mark in this way, he was continually amazed at what God did to display his supernatural power towards him and through him. It was like he was living in that resurrection life with Jesus. He learned to accept the sufferings of his outward life, giving thanks in all things as he became continually renewed in his inner life of faith and hope and love. Now, this is the life to which we too are invited to share. This is hitting the mark. And it is with the assurance that we are not alone. We have Jesus with us and we have one another. And for this, we give thanks. Amen.